Thanks, Sam and team. You guys are awesome. Well, we are at the um, end of a three-part um, series, as Tom suggested, and this is the third episode, apparently. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Well, that, that's good. Um, and uh, we've called it Saved, and we're looking at uh, what does this word mean, saved, salvation? What does it mean? There's so, so much depth to this word that if we truly understand it, it can actually change our lives. And uh, we talked in week one about how um, if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and, and we um, believe that He died for us and He rose again and we've accepted Him and we decide to follow Him, then, then we have been saved. I, I have been saved from the ultimate consequence of my sin. My sin being that, that decision that I make kind of all the time to choose for myself what is right and wrong rather than relying on what God says is right and wrong. And the moment I do that, for the very first time, I am separated from God because only perfect people can be in the presence of a perfect God. And not just separated from God in this life, but for all eternity. And that's called hell. And and it sounds really scary, and, and it is quite confronting and, and um, all that, but the Bible says that there's actually hope. There's hope for us. Because God loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, his perfect son, to cross that gap for us, to, to die in our place, to take the punishment of our sin upon himself, even though he didn't sin. And because of that, and because he defeated the power of death in his resurrection, all we need to do is believe and follow him and that separation gap is closed and we can be in God's presence for all eternity, including in this life as well. So I have been saved from the ultimate consequence of my sin. And then last week we continued by saying, believe it or not, that's actually the minimum that God actually wants to do for us. Isn't that incredible? That as awesome and amazing as that is, <laughs> it's, it's actually the kind of like the entree of the most incredible three-course meal, the three-course banquet we could possibly hope to be involved with. God wants to do so much more than save us from hell. You see, when we do make that decision to follow Him, then, then He sends His Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And His Holy Spirit wants to partner with us to, to shape our lives, to, to mold us, to, to change us, to transform us from being our old self to being a brand new self. That A, a process we call sanctification, a, a process that God is making us more holy and more like Him through transforming the way we think and transforming the things we desire, transforming the things we do. And it's a partnership between us and the Holy Spirit. And, and because of this transformation that happens, we are essentially continually being saved from the more immediate consequences of our sin. Because 
the more that we are transformed, the more we become more like God, the less sinning we do, right? <laughs> and the less we have to put up with the consequences of our bad decisions, because hopefully we're making less of them. So God has saved me. I've been saved from the ultimate consequences of my sin. I am continually being saved from the more immediate consequences of my sin by hopefully sinning less. But there's still more to come. God wants to do even more than that. It's it's incredible. Isn't that good news? Isn't that incredible news? Tonight, we get to focus on dessert. Dessert. Who loves dessert? Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out. I want to know what your favorite dessert is. Ice cream. If you're online tonight, type it in the chat. Tell me what your favorite dessert is. I'm here in Parfait. Parfait? Ice cream. Apple pie. Absolutely. Pavlova. Pavlova. Absolutely. Self-sourcing pudding. Mmm. Mmm. Sticky date. Mmm. Mmm. Hey, whoever the genius was who came up, who thought of the idea of putting meringue with lemon and putting them in a pie, that is genius, is it not? Lemon meringue pie. Whoa, come on. And then like burning the top a little bit, like, oh, mmm. Mm, chef's kiss. Mm. Amazing. Well, tonight we get to talk about dessert. Uh, last week we brought a passage um, from Philippians where Paul talks about our salvation. He says this. He says, I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He has begun it. He is continuing it and he will complete it. See, the Bible tells us that there actually will come a day where God will draw a line in the sand and say, okay, everyone, you've had enough time now to make your decision. From this moment forward, salvation will be complete. And there will be no more salvation for anything needed forever after that complete salvation. What does it look like for salvation to be complete? If I've been saved from the ultimate consequence of my sin, if I am continually being saved from the more immediate consequences of my sin by sinning less, what left is there to save me from? (laughs) Well, I wonder if you've ever suffered because of the sin of somebody else. I wonder if if you've ever suffered because of an illness or a sickness that is out of your control. I wonder if you've ever suffered because of other factors out of your control. Natural disasters, pandemics, illness of any kind. There will come a day where God will actually save me Not only from the things that are the consequences of my own choice, but of all the things that I suffer from that are out of my control as well. Is it possible that God would love us that much, 
that he would actually save me from all of that. Absolutely, you bet it is. You bet it is. Can you imagine a world with no war, no corruption, no natural disasters, no poverty, no homelessness, no illness of any kind, no frustration, no sadness, no grief, no pain, no depression, no cheating, no lying, no stealing, no defrauding, no destruction. Is it possible that God would save us from all of that as well? Absolutely. Wouldn't it be great if we could spend eternity somewhere where we could enjoy the absolute best parts of our existence now while completely forget about all the crap (laughs) that happens. All of it gone. Is that possible? What if heaven was real? I don't know what you picture heaven to be like. Uh, I know for um, many years of my life, I, I pictured it to be somewhat like it's described in the Netflix show, The Good Place. Uh, I don't know if you've seen The Good Place, um, but um, it's a show about, well, heaven. Uh, and it describes this place where good people go when they die, and uh, it's kind of like five-star luxury. They just live out their days, well, for eternity, in complete luxury, everything at the click of a finger, unlimited milkshakes, um, Lemon meringue pies, I suppose. Um, Absolutely anything they could possibly want for all eternity. It sounds amazing. Well, us humans have had a bit of a fascination with heaven for as long as we've been around. And, And particularly, I think, for the last 100 years or so, you just have a look at the last 60, 70 years of popular culture, pop culture, popular popular music. Um, when, when I was in high school, uh, there was a band uh, who made it big with a one-hit wonder called Heaven is a Halfpipe. <laughs> you know, uh, clearly they were skaters and they loved skating, so they thought Heaven was a halfpipe. Um, several years before that, Belinda Carlisle said that Heaven is a place on earth, that's right. Um, you know, you had Guns N' Roses, reckon they're knocking on heaven's door. You've got Bruno Mars, who thinks he's locked out of heaven. Uh, you've got Eric Clapton, who wonders whether we'll, whether we'll know his name when we see him in heaven. Um, whether it's Bee Gees, or Beyonce, or Blink-182, or Bieber, or <laughs> Tupac, or Meatloaf, or Halsey, or Kanye, or Khalid, or Van Morrison, or Led Zeppelin, or Brian Adams... Everyone has an opinion on heaven. (laughs) Everyone. And famously, even one of my favourites, John Lennon, even invited us all to imagine there was no heaven. And apparently that's easy if you try. But heaven is heaven that we imagine anything like a heaven described in the Bible. Well, I think um, that many of us Many Christians have so many influences on what we think heaven is like that it's probably a bit all confused, jumbled up. We have bits from the Bible, we have bits from 
um, pop culture and Hollywood, and we have bits from all over the place, and everyone has a slightly different idea. And none of us have actually been there. So we can't actually say for certain. But for tonight, I wonder if we can take our picture of heaven that we have in our mind and shelve it for a while. Just, just for tonight. We're going to shelve that because while some of these things might sound similar, what I really want to talk about tonight is how God is going to bring completion to our salvation. And, and as I describe that, as we talk about what the Bible describes that being, that might sound a little bit heavenly and a bit heaven-like, and that might match a few of the things that we think and all that, but it probably will, might also be a bit different to what you expect as well. Even the terminology might be different. So let's shelve all of those ideas for now, and let's focus on how God is going to bring about completion of salvation. This is what we read in Isaiah 65. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a mere youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Then we... we Flick to the end of the Bible, and in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, we read some similar pictures. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. The biblical picture of how God will bring salvation to its complete form is not by sending us to clouds to play harps and to wear white robes and, and to be all angelic-like, we see. It's actually to create a whole new heaven and earth. A whole new heaven and earth. A restart. A, a reboot. It's going to turn it off and back on again, <laughs> so to speak. A brand new earth, free from sin, free from sorrow, free from pain, free from suffering. 
an existence where God is 100% present. And, and with God's presence come the fullness of love, the fullness of joy, of peace, of pleasure, of community, of beauty, of kindness, of wholeness. The Bible indicates we'll have completely new bodies. Bodies where every limb, every digit, every cell will work exactly how it's designed. No decay, no illness, no deficiencies of any kind will be perfect in every way. We'll be experiencing a brand new version of life that perhaps we've never even imagined now. A life where, as Isaiah 25 puts it, the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. No more tears, no more disgrace, no more shame, no more embarrassment. Revelation 7 says, they will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun for the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd he will lead them to springs of life-giving water and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Isn't that amazing? God will save me from this broken and fragile and uncertain world in which I live by creating an entirely new, perfect one. I'll never again be hungry or thirsty. That's, that's not to say that I won't be eating food or drinking. That's to say that there will be food and drink in abundance. <laughs> I will no longer need to be hungry or thirsty because lemon meringue pie for everybody, right? <laughs> it even says that I won't get sunburned. No need for sunscreen. How good is that? Sunglasses will be for fashion only and uh, not for protecting our eyes. Wow. That's fantastic. And in this way, creating a whole new heaven and a whole new earth, God isn't actually just saving me. He's not just saving all who believe in Jesus, but the Bible actually says He's, he's saving all of creation. He's, he's reconciling everything that He's creating. He's bringing it all back to Himself, restoring it to how it was meant to be. Uh, the Bible indicates there'll be plants in this new earth. There'll be animals in this new earth. I'm not sure about pets. I can't give you a definitive answer on pets. I'm sorry, Bronte. But animals, for sure. Uh, food and drink, incredible food and drink. There'll be music. Um, I thought I read somewhere there'll be jazz music. Um, but I went back and looked for it, and I couldn't find that reference. Um, so... <laughs> I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it'll be jazz anyway. Um, the Bible refers to doing work. Can you believe it? In this, you go, what? What? That doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like heaven to me. Um, the Bible describes doing work, but not, but not toil. So not work that is painful. Not work that actually costs us energy. Not work that even is for the gain of somebody else, but not for us. But work that is 100% fulfilling and purposeful, and meaningful, and satisfying, and enjoyable. 
we will not be bored in heaven. We will not be bored in this new heaven and earth. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, growing up, I thought actually that, you know, that version of heaven that I had in my head could get quite boring after the first 2,000 years. Like, <laughs> what do we do after that, right? We will not be bored in the new heaven and earth. And because of the absence of sin, the separation of us and God is no longer there. God is 100% present. And that is hard for us to get our brain around because it's just, it's, we've never experienced that. That's beyond what we could imagine. But the 100% presence of God in amongst us and working in and through us and we will worship Him accordingly. That is the picture of salvation complete. Salvation complete. I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved once and for all. Uh, you know, um, throughout this series, we've gotten to a point where we've said, well, okay, that's good. I understand that now. I understand that I've been saved from the ultimate consequence of my sin. I am being saved continually from the more immediate consequences of my sin by being made holy through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I will be saved, which is awesome because that means, knowing that means that no matter what I go through now, I can be confident that I will be saved from whatever it is that I'm going through now small or life-shattering. God will save me from any kind of suffering, that whatever I experience now. Isn't that an amazing thought? And doesn't that just give us courage to face whatever it is we're facing? And doesn't that just fill us with gratefulness and thanksgiving to God for what He's done for us? And doesn't that just mean that throughout whatever we face, we can still stand and worship Him and thank Him and praise Him for what He's done? Because we know that no matter what we go through now, there will be an end to it and we will be saved. But now that I know that, we have to ask ourselves a question. A question that only we can answer ourselves. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I just going to sit back and watch it all happen and enjoy the fruits of it? Or do I need to respond in some way? Jesus actually answered this question with a story. Um, it's a story that goes a bit like this. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves, his workers, to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they wouldn't come. Free food and everything, and they just wouldn't come. I couldn't, can't believe it. Again, he sent other workers saying, tell those who've been invited, look, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, the lemon meringue pie is ready to go, come to the wedding banquet. <laughs> but they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, one to his business, while the rest seized his workers, mistreated them, and killed them. 
the king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burnt their city. Then he said to his workers, the, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you can find to the wedding banquet. And those, those slaves, those workers, they went out into the streets and gathered all whom they could find, both good and bad, so that the wedding hall was filled with guests. You see, now that we have enjoyed the taste of this most incredible three-course meal we could possibly hope to imagine, Jesus commands us to go and invite others to join the banquet. And not just anybody, well, actually, yeah, just anybody. <laughs> Jesus uses those words, right? Everybody you can find, go and invite to the banquet. The food's ready to go. It's incredible. Don't keep it all to yourself. I wonder who that person is for you. I wonder whose name, whose face pops into your mind. Who, who is it the Holy Spirit is prompting you about tonight that you need to go and bring to the wedding banquet? I wonder who it is. Um, I wonder if it's just a matter of maybe getting to know them a bit better. Maybe that's the next step for them. Or maybe it's a richer conversation that you need to have with that person. Or maybe it's an invitation that you can make. Maybe to 5 p.m. service undone sometime. Maybe to young adults. Maybe to youth. Maybe to Alpha Connect Group. I wonder who it is who God's placed in your heart and what is the next step for you. Because Jesus doesn't want to keep this meal he doesn't want us to keep it to ourselves. He wants us to go out and invite anybody who will listen, anybody who will, who will accept the offer of free food. <laughs> it's been paid already. The price has been paid. It's been laid out, ready to go. All we need is people to come and enjoy it. To finish off this series, I really wanted an opportunity to pray for all of us, no matter where we're at on this journey. No matter where we sit as far as this meal and um, salvation. And so for the next few minutes, I'm going to invite us all to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'm going to invite us all to participate in one way or another. You see, the first group of people that I want to pray for tonight are the people, perhaps you're here tonight or joining us online and you've only, you've only recently joined the banquet. You've only recently maybe started the entree. Maybe you've recently accepted Jesus as your Savior and have decided fairly recently to follow Him and, and maybe even been baptized. And, and that's incredible and that's amazing. But maybe for you, now it's time for main course. Now it's time to invite the Holy Spirit to start a transformational work in your life. Time to commit to to partnering with the Holy Spirit to transform you. So I want to pray for you now if those words re uh, can relate to you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for saving me. Thank you that you love me so much that you placed the Holy Spirit inside me to make me more like you. I give you my life. 
I give you permission to start transforming me into becoming more like you. Transform my thoughts. Transform my desires. Transform my behaviours, Lord. And I commit to responding to you in humility and obedience whenever you want me to make a change in my life, even when it's uncomfortable or unpopular. Perhaps tonight you're, you're here and, and maybe you're well into the main course. Maybe, um, maybe you are experiencing this and partnering with the Holy Spirit and your life is being transformed day by day and it's not smooth all the time and it's not always up and to the right. Sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back, but, but you are being transformed and, and you're a part of this process called sanctification and and it's fantastic, but maybe it's time to start inviting others to the banquet too. And while we wait for dessert, whenever that comes along, it's time to respond to Jesus' command to us, to not keep it all for ourselves, but to invite others as well. So if that's you tonight, I want to pray for you, and would you join me with these words? Dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for your ongoing transformational work in my life through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I acknowledge that you have commanded me not to keep this banquet to myself, but to invite others along too. Lord, would you place the names of people on my mind and heart right now who you want me to reach out to? Would you provide me with opportunities to do this? Would you provide me with the eyes to see those opportunities? Would you provide me with the courage to take those opportunities when they come along? In your name. Or maybe you're here tonight or joining us online and you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You're, you've never been a part of this banquet. Well, I want to give you an opportunity right now Come and join the banquet. Come and give your life to Jesus. Make that decision to follow Him by saying these words as you, as you pray with me. Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross for me. Thank you that you died on my behalf so that I could be reconnected to you. I recognize and confess that I have sinned. I have decided for myself what is right and wrong rather than following what you say. I acknowledge this and I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you that you rose again and defeated the power of death so that I may no longer experience an eternity without you, but one with you. I give my life to you and I ask that you start to transform my life from this day forward. Amen. And we're going to say one more prayer together. And as we do this, I'd ask if we all stand uh, in preparation to continue singing and worshipping. But as, as a way to wrap up this whole series, let's all uh, pray this together. Jesus, we thank you that you came to save us from the ultimate consequences of our sin. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you want to continually save us from the more immediate consequences of our sin by helping us to become more like you 
and sinless. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you will one day save us from all other forms of suffering that we currently experience in this fragile and uncertain world by creating us a completely new and perfect one. Help us to not just keep it to ourselves, God, but go out and invite others to enjoy the banquet with us. And in, for all these things, we pray in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.